What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Largemouth Buck Podcast. I am your host, Justin Scott. Today, we are going to talk about a few cool whitetail encounters that I have had. This is just another segment of this podcast that we're going to do. You know, we've done some turkey stories. I've done a health and fitness episode. We're going to do some whitetail stories. Uh, I'll eventually probably talk about fishing. Just all the things that I love to do are going to be featured on this podcast. Everything I'm interested in, just really life in general. But today we are going to specifically talk about some unusual encounters that I have had in the whitetail woods. But first, we want to give a shout out to one of our sponsors, Dry Code Gear. Guys, I can't stress enough how happy I am with the quality of this gear. They have some of the best boots for the best price. As I've told you guys before, I've got a pair of their deck boots that, you know, just they're just the neoprene boots that come up over your ankle. Some of the bigger brands are like um, Extra Tough. I know Huck makes them. A lot of brands are making them now, but a lot of those brands are $100. I want to say I paid 50 or 60 bucks for these things. And right now, you guys can use code BUCK30 and get 30% off your dry code deck boots. You can get 30% off of waders, anything on their website. I've also got a pair of waders. I have not got the chance to break those out yet. I did pull them out of the box. They seem like excellent quality, especially for the price that I paid. So, guys, check out Dry Code, absolute brand, uh, a new outdoor brand that I think I think is awesome, man. You can't beat good quality gear for the price. For me, it's all about price point. Nobody wants to break the bank. You know, it costs enough to buy your license. Then you take your time and get a, get a field. Nobody wants to be spending a thousand dollars on a pair of waders. Come on, guys. Nobody wants to pay a hundred or a hundred and fifty dollars for a pair of boots just for the brand name. Dry code is on the come up. Go check them out. Use code Buck30. All right. Let's get right into it. So I'm gonna tell you guys a story. Um let's just go ahead and tell the story of my first ever whitetail kill. I can never remember how old I was, but I've got a photo of myself and one of my good friends, Todd, and we are super young. We are in the back of my dad's Ford Econoline E150. I don't know if you guys remember those things. They were giant vans. Um, we hunted hard out of that thing. It was awesome. Took the back seat out. Was, we could put all our hunting gear in the back, all of our totes, all that stuff. And, I mean, 
<laughs> Honestly, you see a van driving around out there, especially a big van like that, nobody thinks you're deer hunting. Now, fucking abducting children? Possibly. That's probably what they're going to think when they saw us cruising around in that big-ass van. Hell, they probably thought my dad abducted me. <laughs> but no, you know, nobody's suspecting what you're doing. So, yeah, we hunted out of the old E-150, and it was freaking awesome. So, I had, I don't remember if I was 13 years old or 15 years old. I was somewhere right in that range. And Dad handed me down, I want to say it was a 1985 Fred Bear compound bow. Guys, this thing was absolutely massive. Like, I wish I knew how long this thing was, but I remember it just being absolutely huge. Um, at that time, I was, you know, like 110 pounds soaking wet. I was shooting 35 pounds, which is the state. You know, the legal minimum poundage you can shoot. And I think it's probably because they've they've probably came to the conclusion that 35 pounds is like, you know, as low as you can get poundage-wise to really be making an ethical shot is, is my assumption. I don't know why else they would have that rule in place. So I was shooting 35 pounds. This thing was heavy. It was loud. I was shooting like the old iron pin sights. I didn't yet have like a nice true glow sight on it. Um, just getting, you know, just getting into it. Dad, dad had been doing it for a lot of years. He was shooting a real nice Hoyt. You know, he was he was pretty he was fully immersed at this point. He had killed a couple real nice bucks. Me seeing them on the wall, you know, and hearing the stories. It was my turn to get out there. And uh, see what it was all about. So I, I also, at this time, I'm shooting these giant freaking aluminum spears out of this old bow. I mean, these things are giant. So this was probably year-wise, I'd say we're looking at 2003 maybe, 2004, somewhere around there. Like I say, I know me and Todd were super young in this picture I have um, of us with this deer. So, you know, let's let's get into it. It's a morning hunt. We are going to a spot that is just – it's uh, historically treated my dad really well when it comes to filling the freezer. And – you know, honestly, it's it's treated me really well in my, you know, adult years as a hunter when it comes to f uh, filling the freezer also. So we are at this – we go into this spot early morning, go in in the dark. I am using the same kind of stand that my dad uses. It's a climbing stand. It's called a loggy – by you. Now, I don't know if some of you old school guys are probably familiar with these things. At the time, we thought 
it was like the greatest thing to ever happen and was going to be the greatest thing to ever happen. So on these loggy bayous, you actually kind of hook your feet in to this little aluminum bar. These things were aluminum. Hook your feet into this little aluminum bar. And then on my stand, there was like a built-in bungee cord that went around your heels. You would take this uh, long, flat aluminum band and put it around the tree, and it would, you know, hook into your climber on both sides. And you would actually hug the tree, you know, with your arms. You would hug the tree so your chest is up against the tree. I always made sure to bring, like, extra jacket for climbing up, especially, you know, I was so small. I had no muscle or no meat on my bones. So my chest would just, the tree would just eat my chest up. And this thing was loud, you know, up against the tree, rubbing up on the bark. You climb a little bit. You climb a little bit. You climb a little bit. Just extremely clunky now looking back. But at the time, man, we thought it was the greatest thing, you know, that had ever hit the market. And we were... You know, I would end up hunting with that loggy for many, many, many years. So we get in. I get set up. I can't remember. I think Dad was far enough away. I don't think he could see me. He let me go in blind, which was pretty cool. You know, he let me go in. uh, So we just went into the spot, and then he let me and Todd branch off and Kind of go find our own tree. I went and sat pretty close to a crop field. I can't remember that year if it was corn or beans. You know, those are the details that when you're that new to hunting, you're not paying attention to that. You know, anything I do now, any most kills that I have now, at least on bucks. Now, I can't say the same for does. I've kind of... I've kind of become kind of careless when it comes to my doe kills because I'm far enough along in my hunting journey that, you know, the doe kills come fairly easy. But uh, details on, on, on hunts where I take a good buck, you know, I make sure those get stored in the memory bank for future years. But I can't recall this particular time what was in the field. I don't know. So... Uh, this is actually this is the Sunday after opening day. That Saturday, so the day before, we went and morning hunted a spot um, in a local state forest. I did see some deer. They were really far away. I was sitting pretty close to Dad. You know, he stayed close to me. Wanted to make sure I could climb. Wanted to make sure I was comfortable. Wanted to make sure I had my harness figured out. So now this day with him and Todd and myself, um, we're in a different area. This is my second day ever deer hunting. The only experience I had that had anything to do with deer hunting up to this point was, I want to say I was like four years old, and my dad had shot a deer, and he drove all the way home, picked me up, took me down so I could see him field dress it and drag it out of the woods and kind of get to experience that. I obviously don't remember that at all, but Dad tells me about it. Funny thing, he shot that deer and took me down there in this same patch of woods 
that him, myself, and Todd are sitting in on this morning. I want to say it was like October 2nd, the morning of October 2nd, because here in Indiana, our opening day is like almost always October 1st, whatever day October 1st falls on. I want to say it's always October 1st. It's not like the first Saturday in October. It's always October 1st, no matter what that day is. I want to say that year it was on a Saturday, so October 2nd or 3rd, whatever, we're in here. Anyways, it's my second day of deer hunting. So we get, I get up, we all get set up. Uh, this was back in the day when we didn't really have cell phones. You know, it wasn't a common thing for everybody to have a cell phone. Um, so, and especially where we were hunting, if you did have a cell phone, there's no way you would have had reception at this time. I mean, cell towers were so few and far between. So at this time, we're using the good old walkie-talkie. I've got this bright orange, uh, like hunter blaze orange walkie-talkie you know before you go in you all tell each other hey we're gonna be on channel four or whatever channel you pick i want to say we always pick four i might be wrong we might have picked something else but so you be on the same channel you get up you you know you you hit your walkie-talkie say hey i'm up i'm good whatever so we're all set up we all tell each other hey we're all good I'm sitting there, and I mean it. It just gets light enough to shoot. I'm not far off of this crop field. I'm maybe 50 yards off this crop field. And, uh, I mean, in no time, boom, Here, here's a deer coming. Coming right, and like comes to, almost to the base of my tree. And I don't know. I just, like, this is a deer. I'm supposed to shoot this thing. I'm freaking, my heart is going absolutely insane. It's beating out of my chest. So I pull up that old Fred Bear ancient freaking bow, and I draw that sucker. And it all happens so fast. But I freaking just whack this thing. And it takes off, and I, I guess I watched it as long as I could, but I don't really remember... You know, I think I was just so caught up in the moment. It was just like I shot. I immediately grabbed the walkie-talkie, and I get on there. I want to say Todd was close enough that he might have he seen it all happen. He might have seen the deer, seen me stand up. And I want to say at this point, so Todd's two years younger than me. So I got, I had to have been like 15 because – there's no way that I was 13 and Todd was 11. He was out there with a bow as well. There, like, there's no way. We used to joke. I think at that time Todd was maybe he was already shooting carbon arrows, but we always joked. He always called his. He had little short arrows, and he always joked and said they were poison pygmy darts. And he, you know, because there were times he'd shoot a doe like in the muscly part of her shoulder, and it'd just stick in there, just the broadhead. Um, but I was launching these giant aluminum spears, and I thump this thing, and I get on the radio, and I start just screaming. You know, nobody told me etiquette like, hey, you want to continue to be as quiet as possible. You know, you don't want to bump that deer off any further. You know, 
you got to take the other people into consideration. They're still hunting also. You know, don't don't be too loud. So I'm just hollering. I just shot a deer. Oh my gosh. I freaking smoked one. I shot it. It was right here, right under my tree. Now I'm just going absolutely apeshit crazy. Well, you know, dad tells me, hey, sit tight. Let's give it some time. Let's see what happens. Eventually, him and Todd get down. They walk over to my tree. You know, one thing dad has always preached to me and instilled in me, especially if you're hunting with someone else, if, if you don't see that deer fall, sit tight. Wait till someone – because once you get down, the, you – you seasoned guys know this. Once you get down from your tree stand, the terrain, what you thought you were seeing from up there, once you get down, everything looks so much different. And you may have – so if you don't see your arrow from the stand or you don't see that deer go down, stay put. If I, if I shoot a decent buck and I'm hunting by myself – I will call a buddy or I'll call my dad and, like, I'm staying put. I'm going to sit there and stare at that spot. Obviously, things change. If it's if it's nighttime, that's going to be a different scenario. But even still at nighttime, you know, we've always like, hey, I'm going to have you come over find my bloody arrow because I'm pretty sure I got a full pass through before I climb down and, and try to do anything. So that's just – that's a smart thing to do. If you got somebody that you can call or somebody's with you, hey, come over here, especially on a on a morning hunt. Like, hey, come over here, let's find this arrow, then I'll come down, and we'll start blood trailing. I can kind of we'll find the arrow, I'll tell you what direction that deer ran because I can stand there and continue to look. You know, you start walking, I say, No, no, back up, back, back to the arrow. Turn turn left a little bit, turn turn counterclockwise. Uh, if you're looking at noon right now, I want you to turn to, to you know eight o'clock and walk in that direction you can it's so much better to guide someone in the direction the deer ran so they can pick up that first blood after the arrow so you know we got all that figured out i climbed down we start trailing this deer we end up tracking this thing like i don't know probably it probably ran like 80 yards i don't remember what kind of shot i made i want to say i I made a hard shot, um, but I honestly can't can't remember. I wish I could remember more, but I don't remember exactly what kind of shot I put on this thing. But it was obviously super high shot, straight down. I mean, this thing was three yards. Like, I mean, it was right on top of me. So the fact that I even – looking back, some of the shots that I've missed since this deer – I'm honestly surprised I hit it at all. So we tracked this thing probably 80 yards through a thicket. Well, it went through the thicket and then popped back out in the same hardwoods that we were in. So I find this thing. You know, Dad shows me how to field dress it. It's it's a little button buck, um, like buttons so small that you there's zero chance that I would have ever seen those from the tree, even if I had. It wouldn't have mattered. It would not have mattered. Um, and if it's your first deer, obviously different people have different preferences. But 
your first deer, you should always shoot the shoot the first deer that comes close enough in range because I promise you there is nothing better. You are going to be so shook up. Same thing with a youth. Don't put any kind of standard on them, especially if you're hunting. If you're putting them out on public ground, you guys know how hard it can be to to get on good deer. Um, let them shoot that doe. Let them shoot that button buck. Let them shoot that spike, whatever they want to shoot. So, yeah, my first deer was a little button buck. Once it was field dressed, even with me being as small as I was at that age, I was able to pretty much drag this thing out with ease. You know, obviously, Dad made me drag it out. It's just kind of the initiation process. No deer cart, no sleds. We just drug it out. Me and me and Todd drugged that thing out. I want to say at one point I had it over my shoulder. It was so small it was like i always joke and said it was the size of a german shepherd but i was so ecstatic we go to the local the local uh sport shop it's actually called the outdoorsman sport shop um so funny story quick little side piece about the outdoorsman sport shop todd and myself were in the outdoorsman when i was younger probably six so todd must have been like four maybe i was seven and todd was five we were in there with our dads or maybe just my dad i can't really recall but we're in there and our dads are shopping around me and todd are dicking around in the fishing aisle i fall down go to catch myself by like sticking my hand out into one of the shelves take a giant i can't remember if there was a bait hook to it you know i was so young but i took a giant fish hook through the big part of meat there on the palm on your thumb on your palm just through all of that a giant freaking hook goes um all the way through so dad has to take me to immediate care they have to cut the hook to pull it out I remember the outdoorsman gave me, the sports shop gave me like a, a free red hat, like outdoorsman fishing hat, just like a, a cool old school trucker hat. You know, they felt terrible about it. Um, man, a lot of memories in that place as a kid. But anyways, we, so that's a little, just a little funny side note about the shenanigans. Me and Todd have been causing ruckus since we were, Little dudes running around the outdoorsman sports shop, you know, fish hook stuck in my hand like an idiot. Um, but so we leave the woods. We go. As you know, this was back in the day of paper, like paper tags. You had to go check your deer in somewhere at a, a game check station, and that was what the outdoorsman was. You could go there and check your deer in, which I honestly miss those days because I loved going to check a deer in and, you know, opening morning, you'd see other guys or you go to check your buck in during the rut and you get to see the other guys checking in their bucks and you get to kind of sit and shoot the shit. And back in the day, the outdoorsmen would take your picture. They would take a Polaroid picture and hang it up inside the shop. And they took mine and Todd's picture with this little deer. And uh, I, I've still got that photo somewhere. I want to say I posted it to social media back when I first started the Largemouth Buck page on Instagram. Um, you can see like 
my little pimply face and Todd looks so small and so young. It's it's kind of hilarious, but we're in the back of the van there posing with this little deer and you know, they hung it up in the in the outdoorsman and it said uh, you know, Justin, I think they took two pictures, one for the shop, one they gave to me and it had my name and it said like first first bow harvest, which at the time I don't think those guys knew but that I had never shot even a deer with a gun. This was my first harvest in general. So pretty cool story. Second time ever deer hunting, and I get a bow kill with the old 1980-something Fred Bear bow that was shooting freaking aluminum spears. Like I say, this bow, man, it was so loud and so slow. And in later years, it would come to haunt me. But this story here drug on a little longer than I thought it would. I thought I was going to be able to give you guys two stories, but we're just gonna we're just gonna leave it at this story. Someday I'll tell you guys the story of how that bow would cause me ah uh, it would it would cause me tears. It would I, I cried I cried because of this bow. Um, it's a crazy, crazy story, you know, with with that stupid freaking old bow. I I used it for way too many years and trusted it for way too many years. And like I say, it would come to give me nightmares in years to come. So, all right, guys, I think we're going to wrap this episode up. That was my first bow harvest as a young man. Coming up on my hunting journey. I hope you guys enjoyed the story. And we will be back for sure with more episodes of the Large Mouth Buck Podcast. Guys, make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you get notified when I upload a new episode. We got more deer stories coming. We got more hunting stories, more fishing stories more stories about life in general. So like I said, make sure you subscribe, follow the podcast. Make sure you get over and find us on all social media. That's Largemouth Buck on Instagram, TikTok, uh, Facebook, Facebook. You can also find me at Justin Scott. I believe you can also find me at Justin Scott on Instagram, but the handle is Largemouth Buck. I appreciate you guys. And I'll catch you on the next episode. I am out.